ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another edition of Black College Nine podcast series. Our podcast series always covers our HBCU baseball coaches and the many things they do for their programs, how they lead their programs, and where their program is headed. Uh, today, uh, our podcast centers around new Southern University head baseball coach Chris Crenshaw. Chris was hired recently when uh, Garrett Jackson departed the program, uh, went back to Major League Baseball as a scout, and they elevated Chris Crenshaw into uh, the head coaching position. Chris was a former Southern player and uh, he became a head a assistant coach, I'm sorry, became assistant coach, and now he steps into the, the helm to lead uh, Jaguar baseball. Uh, Black College Nines and our continuing support of HBCU baseball would like to welcome uh, Southern University's new head coach, Chris Crenshaw. How are you, Chris? Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, just sitting around waiting on the waiting on school to start so we can get stuff going. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about in this podcast is, uh, your baseball program and especially how this this uh, pandemic has affected the program but before we get to all of that uh, tell us how did you become the head coach of uh, Southern we, we know that you replaced uh, uh, Garrett Jackson but you know people outside the program thought that if when if and when Garrett left that it, it would be someone from outside, not from within. So how did this come about? Uh, I guess being at the, the right place at the right time. Uh, doing a lot of a lot of hard work and being uh, devoted to being the best that you could be where you at. Now, you were a former player. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's Southern. Yeah. And when you, uh, what what led you to Southern? What led you to your, your collegiate career? How did that come about? Uh, my dad went to Southern. He pitched at Southern. Uh, he played for Cody Boyd. Uh, and growing up, he used to bring me back to homecomings. Uh, he used to hear about how good Southern baseball was. And at the time when I was in high school, they were really one of the, the top brands in college baseball. Uh, Ricky Weeks came out, uh, second pick overall. Uh, I want to tell you that about nine or ten uh, guys drafted that year, and that was the year I really paid attention to what was going on because I was being actively recruited in high school at the time. Well, Southern has always been considered an HBCU baseball powerhouse, uh, not just because of Ricky Weeks, but you know, um, former coach Roger Cador, who led the program, and even before Roger, Southern was always a stablemate in HBCU baseball. Uh, they produced a lot of players that went to the uh, Major League Baseball and was drafted, uh, notably Ralph Carr. Uh, Lou Brock, some of the other uh, guys, but how are you going to? 
Blue Rock State instead of, uh, I want to say, Rappaport, is Grambling State? Well, I may have kind of got, I may have kind of got things a little mixed up there, but uh, my, my thing is HBCU baseball, but Southern has always put out a top product when it came to uh, playing not just collegiate baseball, but to the next level. How do you see uh, you moving forward, considering a, a few years ago, Southern almost upset the nation's fifth-ranked team in the regional? I'm, I'm talking about um, Mississippi State. How do you see Southern advancing uh, to the, that next stage? Uh, I think uh, with some of the success I've had recruiting, uh, and, and we've had recruiting in Southern, I think we can still stay uh, in that conversation of going to regionals, uh, winning championships. Uh, but got to get good players. Uh, got to find them and convince them that Southern University is How is uh, the administration handling all of this? And I say this because one of the things that uh, has been noted was that when, before Carrick Jackson left, Carrick Jackson asked the administration to support the baseball program and to fund it accordingly, and they turned them down. So how is it the uh, administration, the athletic department, helping uh, the program? Because a lot of HBCUs, like, let's be honest with ourselves, baseball gets, uh, it, it lacks funding and lacks support. So how is Southern able to uh, maintain? Uh, I would say we don't lack support. I think we are supported by the Southern University itself. Uh, the funding is kind of tricky. But sometimes you got to help yourself in some avenues and sometimes they do come up and help out. Um, I've had conversations and we come up with ways to figure out ways to get stuff done. So I can say they, they do their part in supporting uh, funding-wise. Now, I've, over the years, I've, this is my 20th season covering collegiate baseball. HBCUs versus non-HBCUs, and I, 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 it, it behooves me that the non-HBCUs have big budgets. They have uh, there's some programs, say like LSU has a four million dollar budget. Michigan is seven million and upwards. And when they hire a coach, the coach usually is the one who builds that program and goes out and gets the boosters and get the donors. And, and fundraisers for the program. HBCUs, we don't see too much of that. We see budgets of always being slashed. We see uh, they're taking budgets from the baseball program to offset for another uh, sports program. So how is it that, as a head coach, 
you're able to separate yourself. And because let, 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 let's take Texas Tech, for instance. They didn't spend two weeks on the road away from class, but their kids are studying. And how are they able to take two weeks on a bus and travel to all their games with that big budget? And then HBCU struggle to do these things. Uh, I really can't speak of the institutions. I don't know how they set up, uh, what they do, what they do with their kids and their program, but, uh, I feel like if you put yourself in a good situation to raise money and to go out and talk to people and get people to buy in to support you, you first have to put a good product out on the field. Uh, I feel like in my three years with Coach Jackson, uh, his four years, his first year, they were 9 and 33. Second year, 34 and 24. Uh, West Division champs, Conference Division champs. Uh, people start paying attention. I think some part in life, everybody wants to be a part of a winner. Uh, so, and some things were starting to, to get done. Uh, as far as people starting to support them in the community. Uh, like I said, we started winning some games, and they, people took notice, and they saw what we were, what we, what we had and what we were taking with, doing with what we had. Uh, but, and that's what I feel can be done with your budget. It's all about what you want to go do. Uh, like Coach said, I told me, you can't be afraid to be told no. Because when he was doing it, building the program, a lot of people tell him no in the beginning. Once he put together the product that was one out winning games, the people that told him no turn around and said, yeah, because they want to be a part of winning. Uh, and they started being successful. So the fundraising part is all about what you want to do with it. Uh, not necessarily who can you point the finger at to say you can't get it done. Yeah, I agree with you. Nobody wants a, a a loser. No one wants to be a part of a losing program. And I, I, it just behooves me that HBCUs are dependent on their departments, their athletic departments, when they could move away. And because I see it all the time, uh, me coming from the non-HBCU side of things. And what what's the, and this happens a lot at HBCUs. Uh, like I said earlier in, in, in this podcast, the cutting of uh, the baseball budget to pay off for another uh, uh, sports program. And what Roger did, it was uh, unheard of, and he did it in a way that he, you know, and they told him he couldn't build a stadium, and he did. Now. It's up to you guys how you're going to advance that. So I, I know that you're man in the helm, but how do you see yourself in the next two, three, four years? Considering, considering you 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 earned a bit in the NCAA's and it opened up a lot of uh, recruitment opportunities. Are we still in that mode now, as to where you're still getting those? Uh, top-rate kids that are wanting to come to Southern versus wanting to go to LSU? Uh, 
I mean, we're in the conversation with those type of kids. Uh, it all boils down to what they want to do. Do they want all the bells and whistles, or do they want to come get their hands dirty uh, and work for it? Uh, that's what I've come to realize. Uh, like I said, I'm not afraid to be told no. So I'm not afraid to call those top tier kids and try to convince them that Southern University be a good place for them. Because uh, I feel like some of the things that they're going to go learn at LSU, they can learn across town at Southern University. But it's different strokes for different folks, and you got to make work with what you got. Uh, either we get a they might not have the perfect game rankings or the the TBI rankings, but it's their fault that they missed out on this kid, and we did, and he turned out to be a player. What I've noticed, and you know, it just and, and, and coming from an HBCU myself, a lot of the athletes from historically black colleges and universities versus the non HBCUs. We tend to be more prepared academic-wise. Uh, HBCUs, we don't have those big-time, big, full two, three hundred student classes. HBCU classes are smaller in size, so you have that one-on-one -on -one experience with the professor, the instructor. And at HBCUs, we tend to have, uh, we produce more students who end up graduating and going on becoming productive in the, the workforce. And a lot of our athletes do that, especially baseball. Your take on that? Uh, we, well, wherever I've been, we've pushed academics. That's kind of been the, the first thing. Uh, we talk about academics, and then we talk about uh, them being a student. Uh, then we talk about them being a person, and then we talk about them being an athlete. Uh, when you drop those three, those three things, you eliminate just worrying about being a professional athlete and just becoming a successful citizen. Uh, and going out and becoming good people in the community. Uh, yeah, academics is always pushed. It's pushed in my household. I've pushed that since I started coaching, so... I feel like that's what majority of the coaches do as well. Uh, if you think of, if you look at it across the board, uh, I don't think many coaches in our league are being uh, pressured about winning games. They're being pressured about graduating kids and being successful students, not just athletes. I, I agree with you because my, back in my days of playing uh, HBCU baseball. Uh, I played for Edward Waters College, an NAIA program, who's going to be moving up to NCAA Division II next year. Uh, the academics was, was, was high. And although baseball took me to places I never would have gone on my own, those back road trips uh, to places like um, I, I would have never gone to North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, backwoods of Georgia on my own, and baseball afforded, afforded me that opportunity, but we it, back then. I mean, we we didn't we, we didn't have uh, we, we, everybody was really learning computers, but we didn't have the uh, the virtual learning that they have now. 
But we had to bring our books. We had to study on the bus or the van, however we traveled. Well, we had to, you had to be academic sound because they checked you. Seems like every road trip. And it still goes on. Uh, we get buses uh, with Wi-Fi for the most part. And we get on the bus for a five-hour trip. We might spend an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, in study hall where they got to pull some books out and get on the computer and get some work done. And I guess that drives the, the academic point home right there. Uh, but I'm always preaching about academics. I think academics and playing on the field kind of a direct correlation. You do good in the classroom, nine times out of ten you're doing good on the field. Now, Coach, I have to question you on this because you're a pretty, you're a young man, but you spent 10 seasons overall at the collegiate level, uh, you know, coaching. And this is your third season, and you were at Jackson State of all places. Yeah. How did this come about, Southern from Jackson? Consider, I mean, Jackson has a pretty good baseball program. Yeah, I spent five seasons there uh, with Coach Jackson, working hard and Finding players wherever we could find players to, to put a good product out on the field. Uh, but it was, uh, I was, the Jackson State job came about. I was doing my job at a junior college. Uh, and we were somewhere playing. And that was Tennessee Community College. Yeah, Southwest Community College. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was coaching there. Uh, we were playing in a game down at Smithfield. And after a game, uh, Coach Johnson came up to me and he was like, uh, hey, I'm, uh, we're looking for a phone call from me when, uh, in the summertime. And I was like, all right, uh, season went by. I didn't think I was going to hear nothing. And lo and behold, the phone call came and he offered me a job. It, it took me about like, two hours to think about it. Uh, gave me a chance to move up to the Division One level. We won a championship my first season there. Uh, we beat the number one. I, I want to say they were the number one ranked team or one of the uh, the top ranked teams at the time in the nation. We beat them one to nothing in a regional. Was um, at the time was one of the largest upsets in college baseball history, and then. After five seasons there with 30-plus wins, an old friend of mine that I met when I first got into coaching, uh, Colin asked me to come work with him, uh, come help him. So I couldn't turn that down because he's done a lot for me behind, behind the scenes, helping me grow as a person and as a coach. Well, you were, the Jackson State coach you're referring to, Omar Johnson, uh, He's, he's 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 a he's won uh, thirty ball games in the last thirteen seasons, uh, and that's a feat that nobody except for Black College Nine talks about. Um, not even at the national level. Well, we are at the national level, but you know, you, thirty wins uh, is is a big feat, and that usually transpires into a playoff. 
I mean, when you guys came off of your uh, nine and thirty-three season, you ended up winning thirty ball games and almost upset the number one ranked team. Except for if it wasn't for that uh, that one inning that that Mississippi State had, that game was yours. And that that missed home, I think it was it was a missed home run because if that guy hadn't leaped and caught the ball at the wall. Uh, that would have been a grand slam, and then I think Southern would have been on its way to the next round. But I was also told, too, after that game, it opened up a recruitment opportunity for Southern that, you know, I I don't know if you guys were able to cash in on it or not. Uh, It's always a recruitment opportunity when you talk about Southern University. You're talking about uh, the brand of Black College Baseball for was that a 12 to 15 year run? Uh, so uh, if anything, everybody heard of Southern University. Uh, but yeah, it, it gave us some national exposure. Uh, we ended up getting a couple of kids from California, kids from Ohio, kids from Florida, uh, kids from Georgia. So it, I guess they put us back on the scene nationally more than just regionally. Now, with that being said, uh, you got any SEC teams uh, and and ACC teams that are knocking on your door, wanting to schedule you? Uh, yeah, we got uh, LSU and Mississippi State uh, scheduled uh, and midweek contest. Uh, so, and and that's through uh, that's even through with the the pandemic. Yeah, uh, the protocols and stuff, and hopefully. Uh, we stay healthy with COVID going on. Uh, I think our guys are doing a good job. They did a good job this fall, but uh, staying uh, in that little bubble that we created with the guys where they're, where they're delivering situation and didn't have any guys uh, doing face-to-face classes. We had a lot of guys online, so we were able to keep some people healthy and now, are you guys going to open up your season in the Urban Invitational? No. Uh, we're opening up in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, at the University of Oklahoma. Or Oklahoma University. Uh, off the bat, you're taking on a, 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 a good baseball program. That... That that's what builds programs is when you're able to open up against a team that is, that has a very high RPI, has has always been ranked every year, and this could do nothing for you but you know help your program out. So how how is uh, schedule how is it that you were able to schedule Oklahoma and moving forward, who do you have after that? Because still waiting for your schedule to come out. Yeah, we're still working on it, uh, still putting it together. Uh, we've had a couple drops with some of the sophomore conference teams, uh, with the sophomore conference going to 40 games. So, and there's a lot of schools that's within an hour or two hours in the sophomore conference that we play in the midweek. But uh, we open up with Oklahoma, and we play LSU that Tuesday, and then we play Louisiana Tech that following weekend. Uh, and I think the next week we, we play two lanes. So we get we get out and get tested early. Uh get a chance to get everybody in the mix. 
see who show up when the lights come on and we see who the four o'clock hitters are. Uh, and that will help your program out immensely because it, once you get in the conference play, you will be well prepared to uh, handle anything thrown at you. Well, a lot of people don't know how intense those conference weekends are. Uh, you can say that Oklahoma can get us ready. You can say Louisiana Tech can get us ready. But you never know what, how they going to respond until they get into that environment. Uh, those are intense weekends. And I really don't think people outside of our conference understand how intense those games are. Because uh, it's a lot on the line with those games in conference play. Just like the SEC might be a different beast with intensity when they play against each other. But I, I want to say it's a good atmosphere for when we suit up and play against the teams in our conference as well. Because well, of, of the traditions of each program. I, I've heard this over the years. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's been brought to my attention. I've heard it in conversation. And I've heard it just, you know, listening to people talk. They didn't know I was there. A lot of those programs take HBCU baseball seriously. They don't want to lose to an HBCU team. No, nobody wants to lose to us. So they take it serious. Yeah. And I, I remember after the Mississippi State game, they they had the interview with the head coach in the dugout. And if you ever get a chance to go back and listen to that, because it's on YouTube, he stated that. Guys, we beat a very good team here. Uh, they won their regular season. They won their conference, talking about Southern. And I knew coming in that they would be a challenge. And he says, I commend you guys for meeting that challenge. What he's basically saying is HBCU baseball is a tough thing. It's a tough uh, product that's put on in the field. Nobody wants to be known as a loser because it's, it's, it's big news. Uh, when when an HBCU, uh, when especially when Southern beat LSU t two seasons ago, I think the score was seven to four. It seems like every publication in America covered that game. Yeah, it was a seven to two victory over LSU. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a big time. That was like the third time in Southern history that uh, we beat LSU. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it, there's some really good coaches in our league, and they don't get enough credit for the jobs that they need. Because uh, nobody really talks about those hard fall games they have. They only publicize those lopsided games. Uh, but, we got, like I said, some really good coaches in our league. They take pride in what they do, uh, they teach the game uh, well, and their players play hard for them. Uh, I mean, there's several good, there's several teams in our league that I think could, in a one-game set, could, could surprise a lot of people. And you, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly because, uh, and, and you touched on something. Um, I've always felt that way, that what gets thrown behind the back burner is, is if Southern beats a team, a ranked team 7-6, to six, and another uh, Southwestern Athletic Conference, uh, this one of the SWAC schools get beat uh, 20 to 1, they're, they're not going to talk about that 7 to 6 victory at all. 
because nobody want to look bad. <laughs> nobody wants to lose to a historical black college, uh, especially in baseball. Well, we're changing that because your Black College Nine, we're a national publication. We strictly cover HBCU baseball, and we put out any, all, and everything. Uh, and that's not just the the NCAA Division One. We do Division Two and the NAI programs. So, I mean, we get things from places like Utah, Montana, Wisconsin, uh, the, the the Dakotas about HBCU baseball and particularly everybody still remembers Southern as the dominant force for HBCUs so moving forward what can we expect in 2021 uh, expect us to put, try to put a good team out there uh, expect us to play hard beat hard uh, and try to stay try to stay healthy uh I think we got think we got some things to work on to get better uh, as a group. And I think as the season goes on, the more we play together, the more we practice, the better we'll be. Hopefully, we'll be a, a good running machine towards the end of the season when it matters. The, the one thing that HBCs need to prove on is pitching. We get those if you get those flamethrowers, those guys that uh, can mix their pitches well and, and throw hard. That would be a plus. Every team has has these guys that can that can pitch. Uh, what gets lost in the mix is everybody sees all these dudes that throw hard, ninety five, ninety six, up towards a hundred. How many of those guys are getting out there really and pitching and helping their team win? At those bigger schools. Uh, just to be completely honest, if you go look, it's, it's maybe 56 games, you look and see five, five to seven dudes, eight dudes have majority of the innings. What about those other 10 guys that throw hard and don't get in the game with all throw strikes? I really, I mean, it's nice to have it. The Cadillacs are sexy, but I like four choices where they do the same thing. They get you point A to point B. You just got to win with what you got. Uh, the guys developing through that, you're doing a good job of developing talent. Thank you. You so happen to look upon you and recruit a guy that's already doing it and he chooses to come. You might have found a diamond in the rough. But uh, so having flamethrowers don't necessarily help you win ball games. Guys that throw strikes and compete change seeds, they help you win ball games. And that's, that could be a guy throwing 82. Where could be Uh so I've learned that over my, my ten year coaching. I used to be one of those guys that wanted everybody to throw ninety. And then I found you yeah, you gotta throw ninety consistently to be a good a good pitcher and get your team your team a chance to win. And you're correct, because you touched on something. As a former scout, I've always looked for a pitcher who can throw and cover the entire square inch of that strike zone and induce more pop-ups and ground-outs than somebody who's going to throw 95, 96 and get you out. That that works. Trust me on that. But and you, you take Major League Baseball. I, I, I like the guy Kyle Hendricks because 
he doesn't hardly throw 90s, but if you look at all his pitches, at the end of the game, you will say he basically covered the entire strike zone. Yeah. Got it worse than the bottom of the zone, change of speed, worse in and out. Um, like I said, you ain't got to go out there and throw 95 to get people out. He's just trying to give your team a chance. Uh, if, you, if you watch, most of those guys that throw hard, they're not out there very long. Especially if they're in the starting row, you try to discount up. You can get them out by the second or third, and then what? And that's baseball. That's collegiate and major league baseball. Um, when I was a kid, baseball, you, you guys went, went eight innings plus. Nowadays, you're lucky to see a guy go five. Right. So. That's bad what baseball has come to. Yeah. And it, it, it's not going to change. It's not going to change anytime soon, and I don't think it's going that. Because uh, the mechanics from what they did back then to now, uh, we're basically babying these kids. Nobody follows their gut anymore. Everybody is waiting on the computer to tell them something. Uh, I like Dusty Baker. He 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 still listens to his gut sometimes, even though he's in a situation where they they watch the the data all the time. Uh, the data not necessarily isn't always correct. Right for that moment, sometimes it keeps that feeling and help you make wise decisions as well. That's true. Well, coach, to be winding down the the interview, what I wanted to, to say to you is, uh, moving forward, how do you see Southern in the next three to four years? Once we get past this this COVID, uh, how are you? man the program and expand it beyond where it is now? Uh, just keep on recruiting like, I, like I've always done. Uh, keep people around me have the same uh, vision I have uh, and people who I can trust. Uh, and just make sure you always keep the, the players first. When you keep the players first, you can you have a lot more success when you don't worry about yourself. That's one thing I learned uh, a while ago. I can't do everything by myself. Uh, and I always talk about we over me with my guy. I know I, in interviews and stuff, you get asked a lot of personal questions. You have to speak in I, but I'm really a big we guy. Uh, I like to talk about the group, not just myself. Because I'm nothing without the group. That's, that's good to hear. But how do you feel about an HBCU baseball national championship? We're working on it. It's much needed. Uh, we were going to do something last year for the smaller school. But we, it, it, and across the board, we have heard the cry from coaches, from athletic departments, uh, baseball enthusiasts, the fan of the sport, and just HBCU baseball players because, uh, a lot of our programs, we want something other than to play just for a conference championship. As you very well are aware of, HBCU only sends two to the regional, and that's the conference champion. They could send more if they had a higher RPI. But a national HBCU championship is much needed. Yeah, and there's a, 
it's a spot they're available for because we play our conference tournament a week before everybody else. So that we follow the conference tournament, they could, you could have a situation where you could play uh, that weekend before the regional. The good thing is, is we have the blessing from the NCAA, provided we stay under that 56 game allotted slot for uh, games to be played during the season. Yeah, but yeah, you can also play in after the postseason, right before the tournament, to stay in to keep you guys in rhythm of playing games. So for us, that's a two week that we have from playing the championship game until we play in the regional. And that would be enough just to squeeze in a national HBCU championship. And it, we're working on it. Uh, it's it, it, it's starting to become fruitful. It's looking like it it could happen. Uh, maybe this year there's a, a push from a few people that are going to get something going with that. But this is something that I've been working on for 10 years, and it's something that, you know, a, a five-team tournament, and if we can do it every year, that would be the the normal that we need to go, go into. Because we've had some HBCU championships before. It was just two teams. Right. And I think that's all it can be, really, because you're asking schools to keep kids longer, keep housing up longer, open longer, uh, provide meals longer. I think it's going to have to be the winner of the, the MEAC versus the winner of the SWAC to play in a series to, or play one game or three games set up to make that be the, the World Series because... I think that's the only way you can have you can play the game if you play those two winners because they gotta they gotta be there regardless to get ready for the regional. I think asking uh, schools to keep their kids longer on campus, I don't think that's gonna go for them to, to have that tournament. Well, they have five teams in it, six teams in it. Well, it's funny you mention that. Uh, some of the the, the Institution presidents we've talked to have said that if that's the case, they're all in for it. Yeah, that sounds good. Get that in right. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Grinshaw, it was a pleasure talking to you at HBCU uh, Baseball. Uh, Black College Nines appreciate you coming on board. Uh, for those who are not acclimated with it, HBCU Baseball, Chris Crenshaw is the new coach for Southern, uh, one of our prestigious baseball programs. Uh, he comes highly recommended. And Southern, we shall uh, see some good... I got one, one thing I left out. Uh, uh, another reason why I chose Southern was the, is because of uh, Coach Kadar. Uh He was always, he, like I said, I was recruited to Southern by him. He's always been in my in my corner ever since. So he was another huge reason why I chose to go to Southern University. You know, I talked to him. I talked to him quite a bit uh, here lately. Uh, each year, in the, in the last three years, I've had a lot of conversations, meaningful conversations with him. There, and I. I, I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. 
Some of our best conversations went unrecorded. Yes, he does. And he is a man of God and he has a big heart. Legendary. Yes. Coach Crenshaw, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we shall do this again. Things with Black College 9 just does not end here. And just, just for our fans to let you know, yes, sir, our season's about to start our first game. First HBCU game is uh, with Edward Waters versus uh, a ranked team. And then after that, uh, baseball will be in full swing. Coach, God bless you and God keep you. Thank you. Be safe. You too.